Welcome to The Pinch, where we share real stories of businesses navigating the ever-changing legal environment and learn how you can leverage the law to avoid landing up in a legal pinch of your own. Because when it comes to the law and business, you don't know you're in a pinch until it's too late. Welcome to The Pinch with Natalie and Lucy of Concilium. In today's episode, we have as our guest, Lachlan MacDonald of Akavusa. He's going to chat to us about the riveting topic of BEE. Hi, Lachlan. Hi, thanks for having me. I think you will have heard from that little soundbite that Lachlan is not South African. So we have an Australian Scotsman speaking to us today about what is a uniquely African concept, I think. You know, I get that all the time. People ask me, A, why I'm in the country in the first place, and B, what the hell am I doing in BEE? Well, um, my, my simple answer is, actually, I don't have an, an emotional attachment to BEE. So it's much easier for me to approach it in a, in a more subjective, uh, sorry, not subjective, objective way, um, and, and be sensible about it. You know, a lot of the people that I interact with have a very emotional mm. reaction to BEE, uh, and I find that gets in the way of sort of more logical thinking. So I think it's an advantage. You can, uh, <laughs> you can take it as you like. So, Lachlan, we actually wanted to speak to you really in high-level terms here about BEE because it really can get very confusing, even for us as lawyers. It's quite a unique concept, and we just want to understand what does this mean to people, business owners, in today's, industry, in today's market and industry? We, as you know, we do a lot of work in the creative and advertising space, and we know that this is a question that's popping up a lot lately. So, what, do you, what is the reason for the change? In, there's, there's definitely been a shift around this. Well, and I know that you've been inundated, as you said, you're sprinting towards the finish line at, at this point. So could you, could you tell us a bit about that? Sure. I mean, there's obviously a lot of... Um, well, uh, firstly, there's the change in the code, which happened you know, in 2015, but it's only really now sort of taking, taking shape or, or having an impact on business. Uh, and then along with that, there's been a bit of a, a delay in the reaction, but uh, there's definitely um, quite a lot of resentment, I guess, or uh, ill feeling in the market towards BE because it's become a lot more challenging. You know, companies who used to be you know, level fours, level threes, level twos are now staring down at level sixes and eights, right. which, is, which is quite a significant drop. Um, and in terms of your ability to, to get new business, your ability to compete with other companies who have a higher BE rating, becomes very challenging. Um, and, and yeah, so we're getting a hell of a lot of uh, frustration um, through BE, particularly around ownership. Exactly. We, we've really had that experience with new businesses, with businesses that have been around for really donkey's years, um, experiencing these challenges and really being asked to step up their game. And definitely we've been asked about exploring what are the possibilities around it. But just to put it into, to contextualize it for, for our listeners, what, is, what are the, the levels? So we know like if you're under 10 million rand turnover, you're exempt and you're, you're a level four. Is that correct? Yeah, without any ownership, if you're just a straight up um, white owned company and you're turning over less than 10 million rand, absolutely. EME, exempted enterprise, level four automatically, you don't have to do anything else. And what, what does the level four actually mean? So that actually means that when someone buys from you, 
that they can recognize 100% of their spend towards their own BE certificate, right? So that's kind of the, it's always been kind of the average where people sort of aim to be sort of, you know, uh, at, at that point that's acceptable. Um, anything above that is sort of more, you know, um, outstanding and anything below that, people start looking at you going, mm, yeah, are you really doing anything? Mm-hmm. So level four is kind of the good place to hit. Right, a, a good a good median mark. And what would you have access to as a level four contributor? So are we looking at the blue chips? Are we going to be able to tender for government work as a, as a level four? Would that be possible? Sure. I, I think there's uh, it's a little more complex, but uh, if we consider now with the new code, uh, there's been a, a huge push on the procurement side towards spending with 51% black-owned companies. So even as your, your level fours, people are looking further now and saying, well, okay, you're a level four, great, but what is your black ownership? Mm. Um, Mm. And that's what's kind of driving this conversation around how do I become more black owned um, and you know what kind of options are there available to me to to be more black owned? Um, We're finding that... So is there a distinction between just being a level four and being black owned, is it? There's a two separate sort of prongs to this. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right. So if you're, uh, we're talking about sort of the the micro enterprise space, right? So turning less than ten million rand. If you're turning less than ten million rand, and if you've got less than fifty one percent black ownership, then you're a level four, as we've discussed. If you've got more than fifty one percent black ownership, then you automatically qualify as a level two. So you all of a sudden you're up two levels, right? You go from that hundred percent recognition for your clients when they spend with you to now one hundred and twenty five, right? Uh, if going a little bit further, you're 100% black-owned, then you're level one. Um, and what we're finding today, uh, and that extends also to, to uh, qualifying small enterprises, okay? So these are the companies turning between 10 and, and, and 50 million rand. Oh. So even if you're turning less than 50 million rand, you've got more than 51% black ownership, you automatically qualify for a level two. If you go further, like I say, and, and, and you have 100% black ownership, uh, then you automatically qualify as a level one. And what we're finding is these companies that are either level ones or twos with more than 51% black ownership are the most desirable companies in in the market at the moment. Um, So what if you're under 51? Where does that put you? On a QSE scorecard, so turning more than 10 million but less than 50, you've got to go through the whole scorecard. Uh, Mm. It's not as hard as the, the, the larger enterprises have to go through, but it's still challenging. Um, and ownership is, a, is still a huge component. So what we're seeing, and if you, uh, if you look at the, uh, the scorecard and you, you, you crunch the numbers, without ownership, the best you can hope for, and this is if you blow the lights out on every other element, is a seven. Sure. Right? Yeah. So Sorry. it's having a massive impact on the scorecard and on your ability to, to score well. And a level seven gets um, your clients or, or suppliers what kind of points? Fifty percent. So you know it's mm. still it's still not bad. I mean, a level eight mm. you only get ten percent, and then obviously non-compliant wow. is, is is zero. Yeah. But uh, it, it's not bad, but it's it's not great, and 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 they're going to look at you twice. Um, especially companies who are themselves struggling to be compliant mm. because procurement is one way that they can push the burden, the BE burden onto Absolutely, somebody else, yeah. right? Mm. So all of a sudden we're seeing a lot of letters go out saying, dear valued supplier, we like you, but you're not BE enough. Yeah. Sort, sort it out, you know? Um, and they're, they're you know, obviously not th- those words, but they're kind of saying, where are you now? What do you intend to be? Uh, and this is going to inform our decisions in terms of our relationship with you. Um, and that's driving a lot of uh, uh, traffic our way. Well, one of our clients 
they, they had that exact issue where one of their, their main suppliers was actually their landlord and the landlord was not at all BE compliant and mm. that was a major issue for them. So they even looked at moving premises just because of that. Wow, so okay. you, you may not even think of your landlord as necessarily being your supplier, but really everyone is and this is, it really has far-reaching um, consequences. We're getting into everything yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, that, that's, that, that's an interesting one because we come across that a lot. Generally, when you look at the, the expenses of a company, the biggest ones are obviously employees. Mm-hmm. The next one is generally rent, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what we find as well is when we start investigating into that, that, that rental expense there, um, a lot of the times the, the, the landlords, especially if it's kind of a standalone or if it's a small office park, your, your, the, the premises that you rent will be sitting under a, a single company, right? Mm. And if you look into that, that company probably doesn't turn more than 10 million rand a year uh, because that's the only property under that company. So that company oh, quite right. is now exempt, an EME, yeah. right? So it could be oh. a level four. So what we're finding, and, and, and this is a nice little giveaway, um, is when you're asking your, your, your clients, or sorry, your customers for their BE certificate, and they say, no, 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 we don't do BE, you have to follow up. You have to say, well, you know, you guys turn more than 10 million rand because you could be exempt. And if they say, well, no, of course we don't turn more than 10 million rand. We're only small. There's only like, you know, three of us. Then you say, great, I'm sending you the EME affidavit. Just get that filled out and that'll be your BE certificate. There's not enough education yeah. um, and we're missing a trick. So, you know, I always advise our clients to sort of, you know, ask those follow-up questions. They're really important. So, free tip. Thanks for that. We love, we love free giveaways. <laughs> um, Okay, that's that's very useful. Um, and some of the other things we wanted to discuss with you, and uh, maybe we're getting into the more deeper kinds of feelings here, is what is the sentiment that you find around this? So I know you mentioned earlier that you feel like there is some resentment and perhaps hostility, but you, as you said, are quite objective, coming from a completely different background, so not really having... I want to say skin in the game, but that's probably not right because you probably do because you're also a business owner in South Africa. Mm. But what what is the feedback that you're getting? What does that look like? Look, I think there's a, a certain tolerance for for BE, and and when the the first iteration of BE came back in 2007, everyone was like, "What is this? This is rubbish. I don't want to do this." Mm. But over time, they sort of went, "Oh, this is you can actually do this. This is doable," you know. Um, and so they began to comply, they began to subscribe and buy in and, and, and that kind of thing. Now we've got this, uh, this, this new phase or this new sort of amended code coming through and it's made it a lot more difficult. And we've almost sort of regressed back to, to, to 2007 and everyone's like, this is too hard, I can't mm. do this. You know, I need, uh, I'm trying to do business and, and you guys just keep putting these barriers up in front of me. Um, and a lot of people are just sort of walking away from it and going, well, this. I'm not Forget doing about e. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just going to run my business how, how I know how to do it. Um, and you know that, that there's a fine line, and, and you know it, it's an interesting sort of uh, um, I guess psychological case study if you wanted to look at it that way and say what is the tolerance for for bureaucracy and for taxes and for all those kind of things within business. And I think we've, we're getting to that point. We're getting to that that threshold where people are just going. Sorry, mate, I can't do this anymore. Um, we're out. Come yeah, on. so I, I guess that's the literal pinch. Uh, people will start feeling the pinch once you've thrown up your hands and said, okay, I'm not really interested in this anymore. It's become too difficult and too much of a mountain to climb. The pinch will come when you, you're not able to do business anymore and you're not able to get the clients that you want. Loose? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the biggest takeout, which you mentioned earlier, is that 
you kind of have to face the facts. It's if I'm not going to have more than 51% black ownership, then I'm going to be a level seven if I'm not exempt, obviously. Um, and the only way to get around that is to, to get black ownership. So I think people need to be possibly educated around how they can, they can get that black ownership without, you know, some people will kind of think, okay, that means I have to now employ or get black people in to just take over more than half of my business when that's not the only avenue available to them. There's various routes that they can take. I don't know if you want to take us through some of those, Lachlan. Yeah, sure. I mean, and, and just before we go into that, just a, a great example of, of the, the, the negative aspect or the negative impact of, of what's happening. I've got a client and obviously no, not naming names, but they're struggling with the idea or struggling with the execution of, of getting uh, um, qualifying black ownership into their business. Mm. So they're now considering moving the operations uh, across the border. Oh, they wow. they want to go to Botswana. It's easier to do business. The, the, right. the Chamber of Commerce over there is just going, bring your business. We, we love you. We want to help you. Come. There's sure. no BE over here. Um, and obviously they, they, they operate sort of sub-Saharan Africa a lot. So mm. th- th- there's advantages to them going there. The only advantage that for them staying in South Africa is, you know, they're going to, uh, um, they've got, business in South Africa as well. Mm. But it makes up about 40% of their, their total revenue, right? So now they're looking at going, well, damn it, let's split the company. Let's wow. have a South African branch and let's have a Botswana branch and we're going to do all our sub-Saharan, uh, business, uh, sub-Saharan Africa business through, through the Botswana, Botswana branch. We'll do all the South African business through the South African branch. That will be our BE company. Now, it kind of defeats the, 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 the purpose you know, of BE because now you're excluding black South Africans from sub-Saharan business. Mm. And it, it's a problem. But that is the, the mentality and that is the, the, some of the solutions that, that companies are coming up with all on their own. So, yeah. But uh, to get into sort of the options around, around ownership, there's, there's a few. Um, some of them are not really uh, um, accessible to, to a lot of companies. Um, you know, when you start talking about quite complicated ownership structures and modified modified flow throughs and all that kind of stuff, um, it, it get, people get nosebleeds, and so they just <laughs> they, don't, they don't want to talk about it. Um, the most simplest one is obviously you find a really great uh, um, business partner who comes into your business. I think the voice of reason is actually ha- fainted. Had a faint attack from the, the nosebleed scenario with all of this because <laughs> we haven't heard from him. Boxing bell. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean obviously the, 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 the most straightforward way is find that great business partner who's going to add value to the business. You guys can grow together and they happen to be a black South yeah, African that's and definitely you get the points for it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean that, that, that's great but not everyone has that advantage or yeah. not everyone has that, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That, that path available to them because that would be ideal. The network, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, there's there's that. But then, if you can't do that, then then what do you do? Uh, and there's a lot of sort of uh, um, investment companies, um, consortiums, um, private equity funds that that are looking to buy into business, and that's another option. Um, one scary model that I've seen sort of bandied around a little bit recently is this idea where they take the current shareholders and they sell. So, sorry, they, they create a fund that's managed by a black uh, uh, private equity fund manager, right? Then they put money into the fund and the fund essentially buys the shares from them, right? 
but they still own the shares because they're the, the mm. investors. Mm. But from a BE point of view, they look at the the uh, the fund manager for the BE recognition. So you get a situation where the company is now owned by a a fund, a private equity fund. The fund manager is 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 black, so you're getting black recognition from that. There's a few other criteria that you need to mm. meet on the side there. But essentially, the shares are still 100% owned by the original shareholders. Uh, they're just losing, say, 5% of the of their dividends or, or the asset um, in a management fee. And has this been tested? I mean, isn't this a clear circumvention of the purposes of the code? It's the very Act? clearly defined in the code uh, as as a provision that you can. It's a, it's a mechanism that you can take advantage of, so that you can do it. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's in fact sort of like in black and white in the code that you can do this. Oh. The problem with it, I find, is that it's a Gets convoluted and complicated. Um, B, I don't think it's in the spirit of what B sure, is. Sure, sure, absolutely. It doesn't sound like it anyway. Um, but there, I mean, obviously, you ask anyone who's sort of peddling this kind of model, and they'll they'll give you uh, as much reason as you need to mm. to, to sort of uh, be able to sleep at night to justify why they're doing it and and why government wants this to happen. Um, so there's a complicated one. Uh, then Th- this is sorry to interrupt you yeah. again, but this is exactly what I feel that I've seen. Across the board, I've seen various different BE consultants putting their model forward. They've all, they've, everyone seems to have some some kind of new and innovative way to, to deal with this, well, the, these circumstances that have arisen through the through the codes and the act. However, to me, and I'm not a specialist in BE, it seems to me like this shouldn't be possible because it is not in the spirit of the act and and a clear circumvention, cir- circumvention and sort of dressing up. Situation is, is that right? I know you spoke about four principles earlier that need to be embodied. Yeah, sure, and which is interesting because those principles they don't really uh, um, fit with this model either. I mean, in terms of uh, uh, the 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 aim of BE is to create black industrialists, right? Uh, and they believe that uh, um, providing uh, private equity funds or private equity managers, fund managers, with the opportunity now to to you know ply their trade and and uh, is in fact creating black industrialists. So, you know, uh, to play devil's advocate, there is some merit to the model in terms of transformation, but uh, for me, it's it should be more broad based. Mm. Um, but yeah, the four principles. So. I had to sort of drag my sorry ass in front of the uh, BE Commission recently to try and justify um, something that uh, that we were doing, and I, I was educated, um, schooled actually, um, <laughs> by them. And you know, they uh, a lot of people will say that the the Commission they don't have a very clear or coherent message uh, yet, mm. um, and so there's a lot of confusion and, and and not much clarity about what they what they want. People are concerned about hidden agendas and blah blah blah, but my takeaway from that meeting was that they believe there are essentially four principles to ownership. First one is that um, obviously you have to uh, enjoy the dividends, so economic interest, right? When there's dividends declared by the company, uh, whatever your shareholding is, you get a share of the dividends in that proportion. Uh, the second, um, control. So you should have voting rights attached to those shares where you can exert your influence and, and, and have a say in the company to the proportion of your shares. The third one is um, autonomy over those shares. Okay, So you should be able to decide when to sell your shares, when to hold them, you know, mm-hmm. like the gambler. You've got to know, yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> um, so... That's important. Um, if you're forced now to hang on to your shares for a period of time, but then 
you don't get it. Uh, but when you leave a particular scheme or something, you have to. You, you, you no longer then hold your shares. Mm. What what kind of autonomy do you really have? Mm. Mm. Uh, and then the fourth and final principle is access to the asset. Um, so you know when you when you when you have a share in a company, it's an asset, and that asset will either uh, uh, grow, hopefully, or it will shrink, uh, depending mm. on the performance of the company, right? So. A lot of schemes going around, and this is the biggest concern for the uh, commission, I think, is uh, when uh, the participant or the black person leaves the scheme, they don't get a share in the asset. Mm. They're not paid out for their shares, right? Um, and so that's missing from a lot of uh, BE transactions happening. Okay. Great. I mean, that's been so, so um, enlightening and very, very helpful. Thanks, Lachlan. And I think if anybody, any of our listeners are... Um, wanting to know about um, BEE, um, Akavusu is definitely um, somebody to get in touch with. If I, if I could just say one yeah. thing before we before we cut out is in terms of uh, if you're looking for a, a BEE solution or an ownership solution, and you know uh, you've you've asked a bunch of different companies and they're coming to you with all these sort of harebrained schemes, ask them or ask yourself. Does this scheme meet the the four principles? Yeah, of ownership? absolutely. Uh, and and if it doesn't, you might come into some trouble. Also, ask the question to the consultant or the lawyer or whoever is doing it for you uh, and, and interrogate them. Uh, don't be afraid to ask the questions and don't be afraid to, to not know what's going on because, you know, it, it's, it's not easy stuff. Yeah, and you, and you should educate yourself ar- around it before you make any which major decisions relating to your business and uh, its future. And those four principles that we very sneakily were able to get from your meeting with the commission <laughs> is, is really valuable. Thanks, Lachlan. Absolute pleasure. So if you're in a legal pinch of your own and would like some practical and professional legal advice, check us out at conciliumlegal.co.za or drop us a line at info at conciliumlegal.co.za.